Today's episode of Poets at War is sponsored by the following. Hello, I'm Sarah Levesque, Editor-in-Chief of Logo Sophia Magazine. I would like to invite you to explore our Pilgrim's Journal of Life, Love, and Literature, both in visual format and in podcast format. Our goal is to help bridge the gaps between different Christian denominations and traditions. Please visit our website at logosophiamag.com to read or listen to stories, articles, poetry, and more, all for free. We look forward to journeying with you. Time on Poets at War, our General Joshua David Link speaks to Matthew Pilgrim, the free Narnian on Twitter, about C.S. Lewis and his own books, and many other things. Join us in the trenches for Poets at War! Sarah or Ian that uh, recommended you to me for this? It was. It would have been Ian. It would have been Ian. That's what I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you know Ian? Uh, I know Ian through Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're Twitter mutuals where we um, are in the same group chat together, and so we 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 communicate uh, from time to time. And um, I've also contributed to uh logo sophia magazine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yep we can we have a we have a, a repertoire through that as well well that's cool yeah so you do uh, i i've put some of your stuff together with the audio magazine so i'm familiar with some of that um i don't get to listen to everything uh each time uh, just because sarah does the bulk of the actual you know, detail editing of those sorts of things and then gets them to me and I put all the uh, spicy mustard on it and make it look good and upload it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, yeah. I've known Ian and Sarah for a while. Um, You guys are Twitter mutuals, you and you and Ian. What do y'all usually talk about on Twitter? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Usually we, uh, you know, we uh, talk about, uh, you know, Anything relating to or tangential to sci-fi, fantasy, writing, mm-hmm. you know, hashtag writing stuff. Uh, oh, yes. You know, I, I, you know, occasionally uh, Christian memes mm-hmm. of one flavor or another. But uh, yeah, um, that's how, at least I remember him I, when, I, when I first came across him was, was through writing stuff and um, his illustrations that he does for his uh well, he does his own illustrations, but he also works on commission for other people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that's actually how I first found him, was him posting his fantasy art. He is so good at his art, <laughs> I tell you what. He's just... No, 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 yeah, he, he's great. Um, I, I like how he's bold enough to go with all kinds of different creatures. Mm-hmm. He, has, he has quite a... a uh, expansive creature portfolio, which I, as as someone who uh, is really into fantasy, I appreciate a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like to, mm-hmm. So, uh, fantasy, sci-fi—that's sort of your big, uh, big sort of thing. This is obviously the first time we've talked for people who are listening. Obviously, they're not listening right now, but they will be soon. The idea is that um, 
you know, I, I basically talk to other artists. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the podcast. Have you or no? Yes, I've listened to a few episodes Okay, uh, okay. to prepare for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you know the drill, but yeah. So mm -hmm. basically, um, and I'm going to look all over the place since I don't have a person to immediately talk to. I'll look at the camera occasionally, um, but uh, <laughs> I'm trying to see, figure out what I'm doing with my eyes in this situation because most of mine have been video for a little while, but that's okay. Not a problem. Um, so basically, uh, my questions you know, are going to be pretty broad, more just kind of getting to know you, you know, you say you're into fantasy, that's obviously hugely broad. Um, I'm guessing Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia are up in that range too. Yes. Uh, well, I can narrow it down for you a bit yeah, if that yeah. helps. Sure. Um, well, you know, so I, I myself have a, a short story up on Amazon Bella that is a, a, a sword and sorcery story in the vein of Robert E. Howard's Solomon Cave. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I, you know, Robert E. Howard, uh, Lovecraft are kind of the major influences on me artistically. Okay. Um, I go by, uh, you know, um, uh, the free Narnian on Twitter. Okay. So I am, I, I'm very familiar with Lewis. So right, so any any Lewisian topic uh, we could talk about, we could discuss ad nauseum cool. <laughs> as much as as much as you're willing to. Yeah. Um, yeah so that, that's kind of my uh, um, shtick, my my field, my uh, forte. What's the name of your novella? We'll we'll plug it at the end too, so people remember. Uh, but what what is it uh, called? Right off the it's called uh, it's called the Hall of Horror, and uh, you, you can look up by name to Matthew Pilgrim. Mm -hmm. um, it's up there. It's just a couple of episodes. It's it's fairly short. Uh, you can read it, you know, in one sitting, no problem. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a sword and sorcery uh, horror, and um, again, as I say, kind of oh, uh, inspired by the Solomon Kane stories. Gotcha. Um, set set though in a in an original fantasy setting. Yeah, I'm I'm not super familiar with those, but I'm gonna have to look into them. Um, what is uh, I know Lovecraft to a certain extent. Uh, is that just like because you're wanting to write more closely to horror and creatures? Is that the kind of thing that that links? Because I'm hearing you talk about Ian's creatures. I'm hearing you talk about Narnia. It seems like you're more in the darker side of fantasy. Is that what I'm guessing, or not, or am I completely off? Uh, well, you know, to a degree, I would I I would like to write horror too. Mm -hmm. um, Lovecraft mostly I like, not necessarily because of the the horror elements or the, the horrificness to his tales, but um, uh, uh, his sense of the sense of wonder that he's actually able to convey, and he actually writes about this in um, his own uh, literary essays, his own literary critique of, of his own uh, cosmicist genre, where he, where he even writes that to a degree that he writes horror just because the evocative, the evocative nature of the horror genre allows him to come up with scenarios that invoke an emotional sense or of, of wonder at just kind of like, you know, the blank edges of, of the map in terms of time and space. And like, yeah. 
So like the horror itself is almost a means to an end in a way. And it's just like that, that's just the easiest way to get to that point. Um, so I, I look at it that way. I, I'm also just an admirer of his prose mm-hmm. in, in general and his style. Um, I think he, especially his later work, he's able to marry together a sense of the erudite with, uh, so as he gets to be more influenced by Howard and some of the other pulp writers with a very energetic, uh, action-oriented flavor in, in a, just, it makes something really unique and special and, and it's something that, that I kind of mold my own developing craft after. See, the way you're talking, I can definitely tell you read more than I do. <laughs> 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 and, I, and I don't say that like I, I don't read. I actually had a situation semi-recently where uh, I was listing off a whole uh, in, in the brood. I don't know. Do you know about the brood or no? No. Okay. The brood I can add you to if you want, if you're on Facebook, I can't remember. It's a messenger thing. And the only reason it's there is because I can't seem to get people to migrate. Um, but basically um, there we have a, um, uh, a, a group of people who are kind of tangentially connected to me. It started as one thing, moved into another, and uh, it's nicknamed the Brood. It's technical, technically called the Wonder Brood, uh, as as a joke on Wonder Bread. The original name was the Brood of Writers, which Matthew Bush claim, uh, uh, coined uh, <laughs> as, as a as a joke, uh, and we wanted to include more people, so it became. Uh, not just writers, you know, so it became the Wonder Brood. But um, anyway, uh, the idea is just kind of Lewis E. Tolkien people, artists, you know, poets at war, tangential people uh, getting together and talking. And we do everything from memes to really like delving into each other's work, et cetera. So if that's something you'd be interested in, let me know. Um, but basically, the um, in the Brood, there was this moment where we were kind of joking. We were, we were actually riffing off on ideas like uh, if you could ha- have this book rewritten in the style of someone else, like what would you come up with? And we were hearing like mm. all, all kinds of crazy stuff. Like, uh, uh, I mean, the, the funny ones were things like, the the lord of the rings by c.s lewis like you know <laughs> the, the short version you know yeah, um, yeah sure. where santa claus shows up and hey, right. hey tom bombadil's there too the people, yeah, I know. people rag on both sides <laughs> but the fact is like they are both seemingly out of nowhere but seemingly have a much deeper point to them i'll get to that another time we can get to that in a minute if you want but the 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 the, the point was i i was naming off so many different books and authors that even if i hadn't read them i knew i knew the spark notes version or i um had heard them through tv or audio or you know actually listen to the audio book i'm an audio guy because of the fact that um i'm dyslexic um and it just helps me a lot more and i don't see things backwards it's a whole other thing but i i can't just look at a page and really get much out of it but hearing you and you some of the some of the phrases and words that you're using to describe styles i can tell you're really into reading and writing um and that's that's something that excites me and makes me want to read your stuff all the more um the uh i guess you know um 
I guess we can, I, I, if you don't have any more on that, you can go into that if you want. Um, but if you're not, don't have anything more on that. Let's, let's, let's open up the Bombadil slash uh, Father Christmas can of worms. If you want, are you into that? <laughs> um, well, I mean, to a, to a degree, I, you know, okay. I, I know most of the, you know, I, I am a, a definitely a, a Bombadil fan. Yes. Um, uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't, I do not side with the opinion that like it's unnecessary or anything like that. I, I think that, you know, uh, there's been enough, I, I mean, there's really nothing meaningful I can add myself to, maybe, right. uh, to maybe veer into something else because I think there's been a, enough, uh, Tolkien uh, people commentating, uh, you know, that it's sure. demonstrable how necessary and serviceable yeah. it is into the narrative as a whole. And kind of like, you know, it, Tom so, Bombadil is the beginning of the fairy story. Yes. You know? Yes. What about uh, Father Christmas? Yeah, Father Christmas is part, you know, because Lewis had took, you know, I mean, something that was developed, again, I don't know with how familiar you are with gaming if you're if you're a part of the the gamer world or or not but you know um you know some of the best game settings you think of uh warcraft you think of uh elder scrolls some bigger fantasy stuff the 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 people who built the worlds for those games took an approach that lewis took for narnia they're like we're gonna take everything that we like and that we think is cool and we're going to put it all in here and people are going to look at it and love it and it's going to be great and fun and, and Lewis, that was that Lewis and we'll tie it principle. together later <laughs> yeah right it's like cool you know so yeah lewis comes up with these situations in narnia where there's yeah there's there's father christmas there's bacchus there's like Neptune and Neptune and Bacchus work for Aslan, mm-hmm. you know, put, yeah, put, put that in, right? you know, and put the, it's just great. It's, you know, it's based off of the principle. It's it kind of, it, it's the same. It, Lewis, it's his own means of achieving a different end of achieving a sense of wonder, mm-hmm. right. Of achieving a sense of, of just awe at imagination and, not for its own sake i'd say you know it's not just imaginative to be imaginative but it's imaginative in order to you know uh, really the um i'm trying to articulate properly how, how it, it brings you back to a sense of, of playfulness mm-hmm. and and you know broad you know a, a broad minded approach to to things and just opening yourself up to experiencing the fantastical, which is is what Narnia is all about. It's about experiencing the fantastical to learn truths about the everyday. That's kind yeah. of like the overarching thing of each Narnia chronicle. Yeah, are you in, are you into fan theories? Uh, some uh, if they're if they're fun, you know. So, uh, so, I got some are kind of mundane. I'm All right. When I can float at you. Okay. Uh, Father Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. I, ha- I have an explanation for him in Narnia. That, right, what's that? really makes sense. So uh, you got a situation in Magician's Nephew, King Frank and Queen Helen. You're familiar, yes? Mm-hmm. First King and Queen of Narnia. Well, uh, they uh, went and had kids 
as you do, you know, as we know in Narnia's history, there were many kings and queens before the uh, the Telmarines came in and everything else. Uh, right. So we know that they had children. Let's say one of their grandchildren, great grandchildren. He was so fascinated by our world, by the fact that they had come from another world and were never going back. And so he continually asked questions about this world and was fascinated by its history. And one of the stories that was given to him was the story of St. Nicholas. Okay. And so he was so fascinated by the story of St. Nicholas that he wanted to bring it to Narnia and started to do it of his own volition uh, as best as he could, of course, because he has no magic. Aslan comes and says, you are very, very generous. And because of your generosity, I want to grant you this, but you have to do something. Sends him on a quest. You know, this is a whole story by itself. I'm not going to go into many more, many more details, but he comes back. He finishes the quest. Aslan grants him immortality and the magic he needs to be Father Christmas to Narnia forever. There you uh, go. That is uh, far and above uh, <laughs> higher quality than the average fan theory out there. I like that. Yeah. That works. That works really well. I just, <laughs> it checks yeah, that's all a, the dots. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's a Narnian Chronicle right there. You did it. <laughs> I may write it one day for fun, but it's one of those uh, things where I don't do a lot of fan fiction just because I got so many of my own ideas. But yeah, that, that's my head canon for Father Christmas. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I dig it. That. Yeah, no, I can I can totally sit there. You you hit it. Like yeah, you like you said, you, you hit every major thing that would need to be checked for a for a Narnian chronicle. Well done. There you go. There you go. So uh and it's generally the way Lewis thinks, you know. Uh good mm-hmm. moving into some of his other stuff, you know, the pen dragon and uh, uh that hideous strength. Um, you've read that one, that hideous strength. Uh you know, uh, um embarrassingly, I have not read all of it. Oh, uh, okay. So you're going to need to re- read that. Do you know about yeah. the, pen, the pen dragon or no? Uh, no, that's not one of the okay. ones that I've, I I know mostly the major science fiction stuff, like nice and, uh, um, is that, or am I thinking, yeah, that's it. That be a strength, right? That's the conclusion of the space trilogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, I, I know, uh, have more of the, the general plot, but that's not, that's not the way I only know of um, uh, the only ones out of the space trilogy I've read is out of the silent planet and uh, Paralandra. Okay. So you have not read the hideous strength. Yet. Okay. That hideous strength is really um, a book unto itself in many ways. Um, it's it, even though it builds upon what happened in Paralandra and um, uh, uh, the out of the silent planet, it's, very different the space trilogy is so weird it it took me forever to finally get through it um because i wanted to read it in order i wanted to know all the backstory and i really paralandra ended up being my favorite i'm one of the very few who love paralandra um because i listened to it and it Mm. it felt like dialogue uh because most of the book is dialogue as you probably well know Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's enjoyable because of that in audio form. However, out of the silent planet, 
drags <laughs> with some of Lewis's <laughs> earlier work. Uh, and then that hideous strength for the story itself, I like more than Paralandra. I like the execution of Paralandra better when it's read aloud. Um, the basically, like, I, I won't go, I, I'm not gonna go into detail on any of, of that hideous strength, but it's just one of those things where you know, um people say currently and the things we're going through in the world we're dealing with brave new world or 1984 most people fall into one or two camps or try to say some version of both i find more and more that we are more that hideous strength than any other Mm -hmm. uh it is absolutely you know what our world is going through now in spades they even had like race riots being put on by the liberal elites <laughs> you know in, in 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 that hideous strength like you know they actually hired welshmen to come in like rowdy welshmen to come in and and do construction and stuff so they would be at the bars and the taverns and causing all kinds of mayhem you know um it's it's ridiculous uh, uh, but uh yeah. lewis was a very astute observer of uh, not just the human condition as it relates to, you know, just Christian living and the Christian metaphysic, but uh, socio- uh, sociologically. I mean, I, if Lewis wasn't a fiction writer, I'd say that he would have become one of the great sociologists of the 20th century because he he, he had such a grasp of, of macro trends and politics, you know, and, and uh, the recurring theme. I don't, like, I don't generally have any strength, but it's something that comes up uh, in a few places, uh, there's even like a version of it in the Narnian Chronicles of the Silver Chair, right? Just the the renegade scientist, mm-hmm. or like the 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 spiritualist materialist. Oh, you mean the, uh, not the Silver Chair, the magician's nephew, right? Uh, I don't think Uncle Andrew was mostly like an occultist. I'm thinking the when when the Green Lady works her her spell. Okay. On on um, really? Uh, yeah. On, on the uh, who is it there? It's uh, really, uh, really, really. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. No, but but when the when the kids are there with Puddle Yeah, Puddle Glum right? and Eustace and Jill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Her, her the spell that she she weaves with her her song right and her lute uh, where, where she she ends up arguing a materialist metaphysic. Mm-hmm. Right, that like all, all that you know. Right, so so like using magic. Led... By the way, <laughs> she was using right. magic to argue a material. Anyway, exactly. Yeah, she was using a supernatural thing to argue that there was no supernatural. Right, she was using anti-empirical means to argue for uh, 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 an absolute empiricism. Right, all that right. Could, all that exists is what you can see, and all you can see is underland, right. and there is no sky. There's no anything about right. Um, and Lewis is, and then of course this is, plays a huge role in the screw tape letters. I think where Lewis kind of or via screw tape states out is, uh, explicitly the uh, the man who declares that there's nothing but you know, matter and and reactions of matter, but who also believes in unseen forces and impulses and personalities and and that I think absolutely nails the head of the spiritual development um, or retrogression perhaps is a better word not development but the degeneration that that we're experiencing in a lot of fronts today because you see people talk like this yeah 
Yeah, this is this is the, that you know, there's that is not an uncommon thing. You know, you you look at people who are I know you know you interact or you read things written by um, self-described atheists or secularists, but they they are uh, very much able you know freely experiment with you know basically what comes down to occult perspectives or or philosophies or or techniques. Um, and they couch it with, well, you know, it's it's a it's a psycho it's a psychological thing. It's really a psychological process. I think I heard this um, the infamous uh, uh, who was one of the the, the new atheists of Sam Hyde, right? Where where he talks about Buddhist meditation now, and like he has like he has a rationalization about how it's not really a religious practice. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> wow, we Lewis. Man, he, he was there. He was there like a you know, almost a hundred years ago. Now you saw it coming. Now I don't know what um, denomination you are. Can I ask? Uh, yeah, I, I'm a non-denominational Protestant. Okay, gotcha. Cool. Um, uh, you, you... I, I lean more towards Lutheranism, but oh, okay, all right, yeah. I I'm Reformed Presbyterian, so we're very very close. Um, in in just general, you know, uh, stuff. Uh, let me ask: Have you ever heard of a guy named Cornelius Van Til? Uh, I I feel like I have. I I've seen that name somewhere before, but I can't attach a person to it. Okay. Um. Sarah Levesque was talking to me recently about another episode I did with um, Joffrey the Giant, Joffrey Swate. Um, and he and I are Presbyterian and, and we were talking and we were using a lot of shorthand in what we were speaking about. And so um, I was going to bring this up to you because we're totally getting into the same point with uh, Lewis, et cetera. Um, there's a weird thing going on right now. And this is very like high level philosophical stuff about apologetics, um, that is going on in our sort of reformed Protestant, you know, adjacent world Lutherans, you know, everyone, everyone else in that, that, that whole sector right there where we, we believe in an established church, but we think of it more Protestantly, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so basically we have uh, on one side the sort of reformed Thomas position, which is not the liberal Thomas position that basically argues for um, uh, classical evidence-based uh, uh, apologetics for the sake of uh, the fact that even pagans can reason, right? They can mm -hmm. use reason and that they have mental faculties to argue and reason through things and then we have van till and there are some people who followed what van till said uh and did some weird things with it but basically what van till says is you have a set of presuppositions every single person has them and they will not change those based on evidence the, the thing that changes it is the holy spirit and so what you need to do in practice not all the time, but, 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 but much of what your focus needs to be in apologetics is attacking their presuppositions and saying, if you presuppose that nothing really matters, then why are you arguing with me? Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the Thomists would say, you're not giving them their God given 
credence or you're not giving God given credence to their um, ability to reason. And the, 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 and you don't care about their, their mortal soul. You're not trying to win them. If you just attack their presuppositions, I don't see those as mutually exclusive, right? At all. Um, we use the argument to attack the presuppositions to get the attention. And then we can talk evidence. We can talk and, and, and point out how our presuppositions do fit. And I think a lot of people don't get to that point when they use the presuppositional argument. You follow me? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, but I, I, I just, we're, we're talking about this and, and the presup is coming up big time here, talking about the, the lady of the green curl using magic to argue for <laughs> not magic. Like, right. Uh, well, I mean, to that, jeez, uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to, to speak out of, out of turn or, or to get out of, of my own lane, because far be it for me to, to suggest uh, strategies for apologetics. For, you know, you're a right. Christian. You have the Holy Spirit in you. you know right, well, like, but yeah, I hear you. I, I understand. Well, yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, generally, though, I would say that probably it's got to be a case-by-case thing because sure. different people will believe what they believe for different reasons. Exactly. Uh, even, if, even if a group of people share the same belief, each individual within that, that collective will have, you know, will have, will have a, a sense to that belief for, for different things. So I would say probably uh, generally, though, um, I think that, yeah, the attacking the, the presupposition is is a worthy endeavor because just from what i've observed just you know living in in the world that that we do that that seems to be what guides most people yes um but and i think although going uh undermining or or or, you know arguing against these presuppositions uh again depending on who they are is is a much harder task than that might be supposed and then even talk, discussing evidence or right. uh, logic and reason because some some of these things are so deeply held. And right, and in a way it can be harder, but in a way you're just digging deeper and deeper, and things become more and more abstract. Whereas you know that there's an end, right? So you're just trying to find the end, which that's more of a linear path than the evidential path which is more uh lateral right you're you're going from this argument to this argument to this argument and you never really get down deep you follow mm-hmm. me and, mm-hmm. and and so like it, it's like a, a a trench that ends in a point if you keep going down you'll eventually reach the point mm-hmm. right yeah. <laughs> as, as opposed to staying up on the surface and just playing with the lateral. Now you may need to move laterally because you might be hitting some veins as you go down and really hurting the individual. And that doesn't help Christ or your, or the situation. I'm not saying be seeker sensitive. I'm not saying, you know, be kind necessarily, but what I'm saying is be kind as far as you can without giving up ground in the argument. Right. Yeah. No, that would make sense. Yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't. Yeah. that. I see that. As, as I didn't mean to go super deep in this, but I, it's just one of these things that's been on my mind. And the place we were going and talking, I think, really lended credence to bringing it up and, and getting your thoughts on the situation. So, um, but yeah, so 
what what are your plans as an author you know going forward are you trying to make this a career or are you doing this as a hobby uh what what's what's the what's the end goal with what you're doing a uh, long-term plan is to make it into a career mm-hmm. uh, that's a longer obviously you know right now in the immediate that's not viable for me for my situation but yeah long-term plans to make it to a career um what i'm working on now what i can i guess i could say um is to I want to have a backlog of work that is ready to be published. Okay. And and so right now I'm writing and I want to be done with several different projects. And then this is kind of my goal for for the short term is that I want to be able to just spend like a year where all I do is publish and market. Hmm. Just publish myself and market myself. And I don't have to worry about uh, writing anything new for, for about a year because I have all these other things stacked up. And that's, and then I, I need can to focus. do some editing, but yeah. Other than well, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, editing, they're edited, they're ready to go, right? Yeah. But so that all that needs to be done is just getting them out there and then telling people about them. Gotcha. That, that's, that's my goal. That's what I'm doing right now. I got gotcha. you. working towards that. Well, that's the one thing that I would, I, I would question in that, and this is just as a friendly thing. Um, and I don't mean it like serious, super serious or anything. You, you, you do what you need to do. Um, but basically the, the, the one thing I would go is if you're finding marketing wise that your thing, the thing that you are creating um, or things that you're creating uh, don't have as much as a market as you want and you end up wanting to do another project because of the fact that, you know, you see a hole in the market. Um, that needs to be taken into account, in my opinion. But that's me. Um, like I said, it might not be you and things work for you that don't work for me. I know that for a fact because we're all different. God has made us all different, right? So I'm not, I, I'm couching that saying, don't take my advice <laughs> at face value unless you think there's something there right um but th- that that's that'd be my my point what, what do you think of that no that, that's a very good point and it, it, this this is just a general well, yeah. obviously as as things change you know i mean there might be you know one month from now there might be a new opportunity that existed or uh, you know i come up with something better you yep. know, I'm changing. I just, you know, speaking. All I can speak to is is what I know as of now, yes. right? In this yes. moment, and so yes. so that's <laughs> my obviously. stuff. My stuff changes all the time, you know, and it drives <laughs> people who follow me nuts. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm trying to to get to where that, and this is something that has changed on a macro level for me over time. I have found ways to continually publish um and tie and give context to things that make the add of bouncing around all the time from topic to topic whether it's this podcast or my own stories or the other things that i do it makes it palatable and uh for people who uh eventually they're just interested in what cool thing does joshua have to show right Mm -hmm. and so it's not necessarily personality driven although that's part of it it ends up being more like i am a personality who also curates right Mm. and so i do my own thing i do my own stories and i also do 
readings, you know, of, of other, other stories. I do, you know, other poetry and that sort of a thing from other poets and artists and other things. And I'm able to kind of show it as this big tapestry that I can continually put out TikToks and this and that and the other and other things like that over time. And I can still tie together. It's almost like that one friend that you have, and we probably have several at this point, that's kind of like Bilbo Baggins, who who most like hobbits are like, oh, he's this long-winded whatever, but he's actually kind of like a, a little bit of a scholar, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he, he's an archivist. He collects things and puts them together in his library. Yeah, and- well, he's, he's a master of war. Right, exactly. A mass, a lore master, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's kind of the vein I'm finding myself in is a lore master who also creates his own stuff and puts it in places where people can digest it in chunks <laughs> and chapters and that sort of a thing, and people tend to like it. It seems so. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely growing. It's slow, but I'm growing, and it's consistent. You know, which I like. So. Um, that's just a macro thing though. I, I can take my ADD, I can take my crazy libraries and whatever else and just package them in a way to take people along a journey. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. no, uh, that, that is a very good thing to be. I, I think going forward at this moment in history, um, especially, uh, you know, amongst, uh, the Christian, you know, community, is uh, we we need archivists mm-hmm. uh, in in an age of uh, you know total fabrications and and yeah. you know manipulations. Uh, I think uh, and and losing a lot of stuff. Too. You mm-hmm. know, people talk about you know digital erasure of, of, of documents and sources. And so I think uh, the more people I you know I myself kind of just you know, hobbyistically I whenever I come across something I try I back it up to like you know a spare. Uh, disk drive and stuff to, you know, keep a hard copy on a hard drive so that it doesn't, if there's ever, you know, a cloud shutdown or, or yeah. whatever, anything. Uh, I think any kind of, just anything that is of any scholarly or artistic merit uh, that someone can preserve should. Uh, it doesn't matter how many people or wherever they are, right? That, you know, any, anyone can do it, right? you know, but to some degree. And I, I think that is an important mission, just generally. It's kind and of broadly. And that's one of those things that like I praise God so much, you know, for our current day and age, regardless of all the set the bad stuff, because Alexandria is never gonna happen again. The Library of Alexandria, that's never gonna happen again. The the, the fact is somebody's got it backed up somewhere, right? um i've had so many people bring this up and it's so funny like i've only brought it up a handful of times myself uh but the the movie serenity based off the tv show firefly uh have you seen that or no no i haven't do you know about firefly or no i I know of it okay okay uh well basically in this this whole situation this is a side character that shows up for the movie um he's he's not in the show he's only in the movie um he uh is known as mr universe and he's this hacker hacker nerd with a uh a robot wife that he built for himself you know a real nerd 
and uh-huh. uh, he lives off in this his little satellite special place somewhere. And the the good guys go and they have to talk to him to get some information during the story and 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 figure a few things out. Well, anyway, his whole thing and his whole point. He comes into the story much later with other other stuff that ends up happening. But his whole thing is he's constantly watching, he's constantly archiving, and he's constantly just in touch with all like he can hack into any security camera in the known galaxy right so he's just like constantly watching looking monitoring maintaining archiving etc etc and uh he's sort of like anonymous is now right um anonymous the the hacker group right uh and so he uh has this phrase that he uses multiple times and it has one of those you know special resolution moments where it's used again toward the end of the movie i won't spoil that but it's can't stop the signal you can't stop the signal it's somewhere it can be found and someone has it you know what i'm saying it's Mm -hmm. backed up somewhere and and that's one of those things that i just i i'm so thankful to god for because the redundancy uh is like the, the 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 only way that anything could be completely and totally erased at this point as if God himself did it. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's, there's just not enough om, omnipresence of any other entity in order to completely eradicate any truth. You know? No, no, that, no that's true. You're right. And again, especially, yeah, so long as that, even if there's a few people who, you know, act responsibly and, you know, and they, and they do what they can, yeah, no, for sure. They'll never be able to have, uh, but, well, I suppose, um, right, you know, but, and, and to kind of maybe turn that on its head a little bit, right, that, uh, they could take, you know, uh, some other entity would take more of the uh, Fahrenheit 451 approach, mm-hmm. where, where the censorship is, the censorship as censorship is mere formality, where, like, the, the actual trick is to, uh, establish a population that that uh, is apathetic towards their own censorship. Right. right. Yep. That's that's a thing, and the only way that that happens. But the fact is, once again, they cannot universally apply apathy. Um, oh, that's true. They they can't. Um, well, they couldn't. They couldn't end the book either, right? <laughs> And this is this is another part, you know. I'm working on a uh, kind of a book, but also just like my podcast is my book, my nonfiction book in a way, you know. Um, and and I say it at the end of every episode: be your family's bard, right? And what I mean by that is partially this, partially being the archivist for your family. That includes all the family stories, genealogies, you know, all the truth of your family that has been handed down from generation to generation. People don't realize like not all of that is backed up on a cloud, <laughs> mm-hmm. not even, not even the stuff from your own grandparents. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you, your, your job. And when I say your job, I mean, whoever you are in your family, whether your brother, sister, mother, son, you know, whatever, uh, husband, etc. your job in essence if you if this is what god has put on your heart through the holy spirit is to archive to tell to remind to be that source of truth from from the past in order to know where we're at and where we're going right 
Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I, I, I love talking about this in general. And that's, like I said, eventually I'm going to just pull these podcasts together and edit them, edit them into a book of some kind, you know, whatever. Um, but that's kind of the, the, the crux of what we're getting at. And it sounds like you've got your head on straight as far as that goes, even with your own, the creating of your own uh, worlds and stories. And I'm looking really forward to seeing what else you can uh, come up with and hopefully get in your book at some point. Um, but uh, yeah. So even though we're a little bit short, I think it would be a good time for us to move along. I got stuff going today. I know you probably do too. Um, and we'll definitely do this again. If you can think of another topic to do, we'll definitely do this again. Oh, uh, absolutely. I, I, I've had a great time. I, I'd love to come on again. Wonderful, man. This, uh, is, this has been a great conversation. Well, let me go ahead and wrap the episode and we'll talk a couple more minutes and then uh, we'll, we'll wrap. Okay. So everyone sure. remember, be your family's bard. Do not turn to the right or to the left and the Lord will be with you wherever you go. We'll see you all next time in the trenches on Poets at War. God of song said the warrior bard, though all the world betray thee one sword, at least thy right shall guard one faithful heart shall pray.